0: Hi, I'm Harry. Hi, I'm Rory, and welcome to Games on Film. for joining us on this episode of Games on Film, and we return to a game on film after taking a little detour with our Spider-Man 2 episode uh, last time. Yes, back to the grindstone. Back to (laughs) boring old
1: films based on video games. But I think this is one of the biggest budgeted ones, I think. This was uh, positioned to be a blockbuster.
0: Yes, that's right. It was definitely the biggest... At the time of Mm. its release. And what film is this? What game, indeed? It is both film and game. It is Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. Mm. Quite a big
1: franchise, the Prince of Persia franchise, isn't it?
0: It goes back to, I think, was it 1989? I think so, yeah. Was the first game. Mm. But the film um, is very much inspired and uh, takes its cues from the sort of reboot ...of the Prince of Persia series, Mm. which was The Sands of Time as the subtitle... ...and that was released uh, 15 years ago, uh, almost to this very month. The game or the film? The game. (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. It's because I'm having having trouble with time, I think, at the moment... ...which is a kind of act, I suppose, given the subject matter. Yes, it's all about time. Because up until this point in the game
0: franchise... ...I don't think time had played much of a factor. Well, I think the first game had a time limit... Okay And you had to complete it all within an
1: hour or something Mm. Time limit is something which isn't really explored in adaptations from video games to films Can you imagine if, uh, I don't know, Bob Hoskins kept nervously looking to the top of the frame And there was like a timer going
0: Well, there's the idea of the ticking clock I suppose That's a well-worn trope That's
1: sort of um, suggested, uh, I don't know Maybe getting sidetracked by time already.
0: Maybe, yeah, there might be a ticking clock in a final act, but it's not like a whole film usually spends a ticking clock, unless it's Nick of Time, Mm. the Johnny Depp movie. And Mm. speaking of Johnny Depp, I suppose what the Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time movie, was positioning itself as being was to, in a way, kickstart a franchise. It was produced by Jerry Bruckheimer and Disney released it. Mm. And this was round about the time that the first trilogy i suppose of pirates of the caribbean the first three films had had um been yeah, released they were deciding what we're going to do now we've completed the trilogy of pirates
1: of the caribbean and they made this and then they just made more pirates of the <laughs> caribbean yes the the video box and um a lot of the marketing purpose was all about let's make this is going to be the pirates Kids are bored of pirates now. What they like
0: are princes. Yes, they're bored of ocean exploits. What's the opposite of the ocean? Mm, I know. The a sky? D- no, a desert. A desert. Oh, <laughs> yes, of course. It's this, was it a sea of sand or something? Yes, they didn't make Skyroots of the Caribbean. <laughs> Skyroots of the Caribbean. Is the Skyroot a word? I like Sky Pirates.
1: I mean, this film clearly wasn't the great success everyone hoped it to be. We'll talk about our own thoughts of the quality in a bit. But, um,. Imagine if this film was a massive hit and we were speaking now after our like, third or fourth Prince of Persia movie and you just wonder how everyone's careers might have changed. The film, the game series, they kind of did one a year for a bit after Sands of mm. Time and almost right away after Sands of Time they took a severe left turn into, was it, dude bro, oh. What am I trying to say, Rory? They
0: went gritty, they gritty. went dark.
1: Grimdark is what I was trying to say. Um, I did my traditional watching the evolution of the franchise type deal, and uh, it was kind of embarrassing just how grimdark the. What is it called? The twin... Warrior Within. The Warrior Within. I think when this film was announced, I was slightly worried I'd be going down the Warrior Within route, but it, it sort of comfortably sits. In the in the realm of sands of time.
0: Yes, I think the the look of um, the prince, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, mm. uh, his costume and his outfit and hair and everything, very much takes its cues, I think, from Warrior Within and mm. The Two Thrones. I think was the third part of that. Mm. Uh, uh, I think game that third
1: trilogy. one was like trying to be a bit between the two of them. It wasn't yeah. so
0: grim as the sequel. Yeah, yeah. but it, in terms of plot. It's uh, a kind of loosely based version of uh, the game, The Sands of Time. And part of the reason um, that's the case is down to how involved the game's creator was. I think on our Wing Commander episode, we talked about how the creator of that game was the writer and director of the Mm. Wing Commander movie. And we all know how that (laughs) turned out. Listen to that episode for our, our opinions. But with this film... Jordan Mechner I want mm-hmm. to say is the original creator of Prince of Persia mm-hmm. and he was so he was creator of the very original Prince of Persia game and he stayed he sort of strayed away from the franchise when they did Prince of Persia 2 and Prince of Persia 3D and he wasn't very happy with the results no because in the original Prince of Persia the footage I saw he seemed to be
1: Blonde. (laughs) And it's like, I don't like this dark-haired prince. I want a blonde
0: prince. I don't think that was the reason. No, probably not. But he was enticed back to Prince of Persia when Ubisoft, or should it be Ubisoft, they purchased the license to Prince of Persia. Mm. And he saw some early assets of the game and decided to get more involved. First, just in terms of creative consultancy, but then he got into it very much stuck in as a designer and writer so he wrote the prince of Persia sands of time game and so when the film uh, came about he uh, was on board writing the story he was able to adapt it he changed quite a bit and we'll we'll look at that when we go through the film you know it's it's nice i suppose having you know the original creator being quite so involved with the with the version of the of the movie
1: yeah i guess it shows that the filmmakers don't want to just get brand recognition they care about the the story and the character i suppose just before we started recording i was watching you play the sands of time i think that's the first prince of persia game both of us pretty much
0: played um we did you play any ones before i was certainly i was certainly aware of the franchise before Yes, I think I had played the original a tiny bit, maybe at like a friend's house or something, and I think like with most people, got very frustrated and bored after the first five minutes because it involves a lot of pixel-perfect jumping and sword play, and it's it's pretty unforgiving. It's not Mario, is it? Not mm. as good as Mario. Can, do you, does the prince
1: jump on people? To kill them,
0: <laughs> no. Um, and but was he... sword fighting, yeah. There was sword fighting. I mean, the, the animation and the graphics were were really quite impressive. I think that was the selling point, wasn't it? It was yeah. more the fluid animation. But price you
1: have to pay for fluid, luxurious animation was the animation cycles took a little bit of time mm. to get going. So it was it was sort of learning when you had to jump because how long it takes your characters to actually do the cycle. With with Mario, you press A, and he jumps, like, instantly. Yeah. Um, but I think there was a little bit more of a delay with Prince of Persia. But, uh, yes, Prince of Persia's Santa Time came out, what year? 2000? 2003. 2003. And watching you play it um, was a bit of a joy. Um, and it, we did Spider-Man 2 last time, and they came up kind of pretty close to each other, didn't they? And... I think this certainly looks, looks for a, how long is the oldest game? 15 year old game. It's got very nice, clean, nice, clean, simple textures, but um, it, that helps it look lovely. So it still looked pretty snazzy on, um, on our HD telly. And and um, Warrior was just getting right into it, weren't you?
0: Yeah. Um, well, actually, one of the uh, things and sounds of time is you can unlock. The original prince of persia game as a little mm. bonus so i had played it a bit more since uh, its original release but with sands of time it's just uh, yeah i had very fond memories of the game and i remember just playing it i think i played through it maybe three times three or four times this is what i was going to ask you actually completed it yes because yes. i am um,
1: <laughs> i just got stuck on my first try And I never returned to it. Um. I think I was borrowing it from someone. So that perhaps explains why I never got to the end. But I remember loving it myself. So The Prince of Persia: Sands of Time, is a 3D platformer. And in case you don't know, this is the parkour one. And I think the, the franchise has been associated with parkour since Sands of Time. And... Watch, I remember just how satisfying it was to uh, run up a wall and be sort of skirting along a wall. And then you would uh, do a lot of acrobatics, fighting people. And, of course,
0: the subtitle is Sands of Time. And why is that, Rory? Well, the key mechanic in the game and something which plays, of course, into the film, and it's, it's uh, the ability to rewind time. And later on, you get more powers, which uh, you can freeze time or you can freeze enemies. But uh, the principal selling point for the game is the ability to uh, rewind time. So you pick up early on in the game this dagger, the dagger of time, and uh, there's a big sand hourglass. There's a lot of things of time, I can imagine.
1: It's just the clock of time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a clock, mate. It's a clock. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, you pick up the dagger. And uh, there's this uh, giant hourglass as well, and the hourglass is filled with the sands. Of time. Of time. Okay. And The hourglass
1: of time, of
0: course. Yep, mm. everything of time. So it's very much part of the story and uh, everything. So it's not just a gimmick. Mm. Uh, it very much plays into... The motivations of the characters and it's it's the MacGuffin but it's also feeds into the gameplay in a very satisfying way so what happens is that if you fail at a jump or something or you lose some health you can hit a button and then instantly rewind time and replay those Mm. sort of five ten seconds again and it's particularly interesting in terms of the original game and how that was very frustrating in that you would constantly fall onto spikes or get attacked by a snake, I think, or get stabbed by a guard. And with this game, you can now rewind the time and try it again. And in some respects, that maybe makes it less challenging, but I'd say it also makes it more fun because... Mm. Allows you to be
1: more daring.
0: Yes, So you're more likely to just, oh, can I make it? Well, I'm going to give it a shot, and if I can't, then I'll try it again. Mm. Um, but playing it just now... It felt really good. The mechanics felt really smooth, it, uh, much like with Spider-Man 2 when I was happy to play that again. It really uh, felt like the character, all the movements flow together, running up the walls, climbing, swinging around on, on poles. I
1: was in the other room and I was hearing you go, mmm. <laughs> it's
0: like, ooh. <laughs> it was very, yeah. Sensual experience. Just, ooh, ooh that's, a, ooh, that's a nice jump. Games before
1: Prince of Persia, I think, were very unforgiving. And I feel like a lot of games nowadays give you that second chance. Because I think a lot of the, the average age of gamers is going up and up and up and we're having less time to play our video games. So actually,
0: it's it's blessed relief when we can just make games that little bit easier to get to see the end. Yes, the rewind function you now find on mini NES and mm. mini SNES. Oh, um, yeah. I've comfortably got to the end of a lot
1: of SNES games recently <laughs> because I can literally rewind Mario Kart whenever Luigi gets out in front. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I'm, and I think that's a fine that's thing fine. to have. Yeah. I mean, you know, back in the day, people would have, like, turbo option on their uh, mm. controllers and, and all these other sort of workarounds. But I think just the, the young, the little Harry
1: you could see me today, you'd be like, oh, "You are disgust! You disgust me!"
0: Yeah, I thought you were hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it's interesting how other games or even you know re-released consoles have deployed that mechanic since. But also, I've been recently playing the Uncharted games. I played the first Uncharted game, finished that recently, and I'm uh, playing Uncharted Two at the moment. And I just noticed that. I mean, it takes I think quite a few of its cues from prince of persia and do, we, do I think... we
1: want to abbreviate it to pop
0: for fun uh, if, you like. <laughs> if you like yeah let's do that so it takes a lot of cues from from pop do you want to abbreviate sounds of time and make it pop pop sot um y- no okay. <laughs> so with uncharted and i guess with the tomb raider reboots as well when we were talking mm. about that on our first episode those games, I think, are inspired by some of the acrobatics of Prince of Persia in terms of pop. the. Okay, it's going to get annoying very quickly. Sorry. It's okay for you to say pop, but you don't have to correct me from saying Prince of Persia. Pop. Everyone knows what it stands for. I've forgotten. <laughs> Carry on, Rory. Piss off, partner. <laughs> So, um, very influential is what you're saying. Yes, but even playing Uncharted and Tomb Raider now, I still think the Prince of Persia, or Pop, mm-hmm. Sands of Time game, flows better, plays better, and the mechanics are better. Even with all this time that's passed, I found myself, when I play Uncharted, getting a bit more stuck, or missing that ledge, mm. or moving Nathan Drake around in the wrong direction. the Cameron, Prince of Persia, Pop... Is, has its issues it's not a perfect game mm. um, yeah, by any means but I think how it plays it's actually impressive still after all this time and I always remembered the game the pacing was quite was quite good it it, it 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 gets a little bit repetitive some baddies tend to get a bit annoying when you have sort of possessed vultures I think attacking you any game where there's like flying enemies or small mm. enemies it's just really a, frustrating. This isn't fun. Yeah. It's annoying. Yeah, so but I think it I think it very much still holds up and I think it has quite a you can probably complete it in less than 10 hours, but I think what's good about it is it doesn't really outstay its welcome. Just as the game is getting a little bit, oh, another batch of monsters to uh, destroy, it gets towards its, its ending mm-hmm. and, and finishes satisfyingly. One of the other things which makes it so enjoyable is the story and narration. Oh, yes. And, and I
1: sounded just like him then. Oh, yes, tell me a story,
0: Rory. Because with the prince, uh, the idea in the game, and to an extent the film, is that he is telling a story and everything's uh, framed in a story device. And you don't know who he's telling the story to until the end of the game. So mm-hmm. spoilers for Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, both film and game, mm-hmm. going to be coming up in this episode. But it's sort of revealed... Later on, that he's telling this story to uh, this character Farah, she is the daughter of the Maharaja, uh, which is the place that the prince and his uh, father, the king, have ransacked, and they've taken the dagger of time and the hourglass of time and all the sands of time with yeah. them. And he's relaying the story to her to sort of prove to her what happened to them. But as you're playing the game, you're getting a lot of internal narration. and I quite like that as well. Again. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. It adds a bit of flavour and the script is, is nicely delivered and written. Mm. And it even extends to when you pause the game. Mm. He says...
1: Do you want me to continue? Yes. Or something like that. Or he does he sound says, very
0: English. Yes. Or um, shall I go on? do you not want me to finish your story (laughs) as you wish one of my favourite things is when you die accidentally uh, it'll say game over and it'll say no no that's not what
1: happened that's like a bit of fourth wall breaking. It's just really nice. It's a little bit different and a bit yeah. cheeky
0: too. So, uh... and it doesn't. It's not necessarily four four with the game. It's four four mm. with the with the storytelling. And there's a lot of I guess sort of sparky interplay between the prince and Farah mm. as bit, they're playing. It's a bit odd though if um, if you're
1: telling me that the prince is narrating this story to Farah. Then he takes the left turn and says, and then I fell down a sp- I fell down a pit and died. Oh, wait, no, that's not what
0: happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> this story has a lot of weird dead ends. It's like you're reading a choose-your-own-adventure book mm. from start to finish. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one link to the previous episode is the voice of the prince mm-hmm. in Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. It's a voice actor by the name of Yuri Lowenthal. Mm. who voices Peter Parker in Spider-Man on PS4. Yeah, I recognise that name.
2: Legend tells of the most powerful force on Earth. The mythical sands of time. They are hidden within a sacred dagger. There are those sworn to protect it. Those who would do anything to possess it and those whose destiny is tied to it. Releasing the sand
1: turns back time. Only the holder of the dagger is aware of what's happened.
2: The dagger can destroy all mankind. Only you can stop this Armageddon. You really enjoy telling me what to do, don't you? prince leaping to assist the fallen beauty.
0: Who said you were a beauty?
2: There must be a reason why you can't keep your eyes off me. You're... I.
1: So had you seen uh, the film before having to see it for this podcast?
0: Yes, yes I had. So Prince of, of The Sounds of Time, the film, mm-hmm. came out in 2010. Yeah, And I saw it at the IMAX Really, in Waterloo, was it a proper IMAX sort of expanded edition? I I can't honestly remember. I think I remember seeing, for instance, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol at IMAX, and that was a film where it had special sequences shot in IMAX. Mm. And it means uh, you can the Dubai Tower, wasn't it? Yeah, it means you can. The thing is, is that uh, spoilers for Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Mm -hmm. But there's a scene where Tom Cruise is walking out away from the Kremlin and he's in standard uh, widescreen scope and he's Mm -hmm. just walking then suddenly it blows up to IMAX (laughs) and it's just like okay (laughs) something's (laughs) gonna happen and then yeah the Kremlin explodes Mm, and it's just like spoiler okay I kind of was expecting that it's like when you watch a film with subtitles and the sentence gets cut off, and it's like an ellipsis at the end of the it's sentence, like Uh-oh. dot, dot, dot. It's just like, oh, okay, someone's going to get shot. Yeah, blue whale crashes through the door. <laughs> um, wow. So, I don't yes, need... I, I think I, yeah, I saw it at the cinema, and I'm pretty sure it was at the IMAX. but I, I don't know if anything was shot in IMAX so I, I, I think on, according to Wikipedia, it wasn't shot in 3D or released in 3D or anything okay. like that. So, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> so the copy I
1: watched... Actually belongs to my wife, and she was bought it by her ex to cheer her up.
0: <laughs> and um, now it's
1: cheering us up. And now it's cheering us up. Um, yeah, she she's got a bit of a thing for Jake Gyllenhaal, actually. And um, yeah, I watched it maybe a year or so ago, and then what the first time. Um, yeah, for the first time a year oh, right. or so and Okay, go. so you, had to, you didn't see it at the cinema or... Since? No, God, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought this... you enjoyed the game, though. I guess here's the thing. I've got a problem with sandy films. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of westerns. I'm not a big fan of anything... I mean, can you think of any film I like <laughs> that, that involves a heavy amount of sand? I guess I'm a bit like I'm um... Anakin Skywalker. I hate sand. Dune. I don't like June. No.
0: Lawrence of Arabia. No. Rubbish. Got too much sand. <laughs> um. Wait, does the Australian Outback is that Ooh. sand? Mm.
1: No, I do like Mad the Mad yeah. Max films. So okay, you got Resident me there. Evil but Extinction. I am. Mm, mm, we'll get to that. <laughs> but maybe the reason I like Mad Max is because he's he's driving so fast. He's trying to get away from the sand as quickly as possible. That's his
0: motivation. Yeah, <laughs> get
1: away from too much sand. He spends a lot of time on the road as well. So that's tarmac. So. Um, but yeah, I don't know what turns me off about um, Sandy Films. Um, i got nothing against them, but like, um, yeah, I did like the games, but nothing really compelled me to watch this. I guess if, you know, we are, as I always say, a podcast where we celebrate video game movies and quote-unquote bad movies. And But I do, I think maybe the reviews um, stop me from going to see this. It seems a little bit... And I wasn't a big fan of the last two Pirates of the Caribbean films either. So, yeah, didn't really sell me. Although I do like um, Jake.
0: Here we go. Gyllenhaal. Hall. Yes. According to Wikipedia, it's J for Jam. Okay. so I don't know about that double A. Yeah. Oh, hall. Hall. Well, but um, it's Swedish. Mm. Swedish origin, I think.
1: Here's the thing about this film. I don't think any of the acting is terribly good. And I feel there's a few reasons for this, and I feel that both Jake Gillenhow and Gemma Arterton, <laughs> Rory Mouth <laughs> he's like flipping them the King's Speech with Jeffrey <laughs> Rush, sort of helping me out <laughs> at the microphone. Yeah, I think these two are kind of in here at the behest of their agents and you watch the behind the scenes featurettes and they all seem to be really enjoying the adventure of making it but I feel that um, these two were there because they said this would be good for your careers and I think since then they've both gone on to do more interesting smaller films I know we mentioned how Jake is going to be maybe Mysterio in the future, but I feel he's in a point in his career where he um, picks the roles he wants to do. Back here in this film, I also get the impression a lot of people think... are oh, just, just asking each other, is, is, this, is this racist? <laughs>
0: yeah, so I think the cast, apart from Jake Gyllenhaal, is mostly made up of Brits. Hmm. And... I guess that's partially location shooting. I think also, I mean, if you look at the Prince of Persia, Sands of Time game, everyone's affecting a sort of English Mm. accent. And I think to Hollywood and to Americans, maybe in general, if it's set in the olden times, everyone speaks English because they think Shakespeare. Mm. But you watch any kind of, you watch Gladiator, for instance, and everyone's, you know, English. Yes, I always always would like
1: to see... uh... A proper
0: version of Julius Caesar by Shakespeare. Where
1: they like, Mamma mia, tu budea.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure they had Italian, stereotypical Italian accents. Ah,
1: <laughs> uh, the in the
0: guts. <laughs> everyone spoke Latin. Well, everyone might sound like... Um, or Greek. Know, Mario or something. <laughs>
1: Um. Yeah. Everyone's got like weird British uh, accents. Um, well, it's not weird British
0: accents because they're British people.
1: Uh, yes, I suppose. Well, apart okay, from
0: so, Jake Gillenhow. Yeah. Okay. But he's yeah. So I guess American Swedish. I know that. Yeah, Alfred Molina. I think is Italian Spanish originally, but yes, British. You know, in terms of his parentage, Ben Kingsley is um, I think half British, half Indian. Mm. Originally gem artist, and as far as my wear is fully English. I mean,
1: it's funny, I found. Well, firstly, I think I just read in here Jake's accent is interesting. I,
0: I don't know what his. Ha- well, having Watching you
1: play the game, I think he's doing a, an amazing impersonation of the game character. Mm.
0: So that's why he sounds just ever so slightly weird. I think he's attempting a little bit of posh cockney. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> he, yeah sometimes he goes a bit cockney mm. and i think that's maybe him trying to sort of be his his origins as an or street orphan child mm. and he's maybe trying to affect a slightly um princely uh elocution mm. as a result but i think that's maybe thinking too much about it i think it's just his dialogue coach had a day off and <laughs> mm. it sort of uh made his accent not uh, wobbly, it's alright, but it's just... It doesn't sound like J. Gyllenhaal, and I know that's meant to be him putting on a voice. But then it sort of distances his performance, mm. I think, a little bit. Because I think he, I mean, he's a great actor. Or mm. he's been,
1: <laughs> holding his hands up and I say, I mean...
0: I mean, I'm weighing up the Obviously, obviously. Mean, <laughs> it doesn't need to be said. He's a great actor, and I remember, yes, seeing him first in Donnie Darko. Mm. Uh, saw that at the cinema, and... Thought, yeah, yeah, that's a good performance. And, and then Prince Persia is effectively a big budget remake of Donnie Darko because it's all about time travel, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be funny if it wasn't the sounds of time, it was the strange globally, liquidy future stuff slash rabbit <laughs> of time. It's, it's got globally words because I quite like it. I've torn into the Donnie Darko script I have in front of me. Mm. Yes, it originally said globally. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I he's a good performer, and I think in this there's a little bit of that kind of charisma he has but he's he's got yeah you say he's a little bit creepy but I think he's got this sort of weird charisma that pulls you in he's and enthusiastic think, about stuff yeah but it it doesn't quite he doesn't quite settle into the role I think just before uh, just c- talking about accents and performances um I did find
1: Gemma Arterton's voice amazingly annoying in
0: this film. She, she sounds like she's sucked on a helium balloon. Well, I think what as soon as she started speaking, mm-hmm. I realised that this film was like a big-budget carry-on movie. <laughs> I thought it was like carry-on Persia or something. Because could she, have, she could sounds, have used some carry-on dialogue. I because think. her voice uh, pitch in this is very much like Barbara Windsor. <laughs> Not with the kind of like, Oh, I love... <laughs> but it's it's very much like... Oh, you're trying to get away with the sword. No, but, I'm like, <sighs> but super posh. It's like, oh, a stupid Persian.
1: Oh, now I really want to see... A Prince of Persia film starring Kenneth Williams as... Is it Dastan?
0: Kenneth Williams as Dastan. Yes.
1: And um, Barbara Windsor as the princess. Tamina. Tamina. Oh, that would be amazing. Oh, the
0: dagger of time. Oh, you poke that where it doesn't belong (laughs) or something. Does it go forward as well as back? Oh, my goodness. Okay. To touch on casting and performers, Mm. and I think, yes... I'm I'm sure at the time there was accusations of whitewashing. Oh yes. And I imagine that you wouldn't be able to do the same casting now because mm, I feel it's... sadly that might still very easily happen. I know I know we're on the cusp of for an
1: Aladdin live action film. Yes. Um and there was a much um much debate about that and you know but I th- that was I th- Disney as well, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: I mean I think with Prince of Persia it wouldn't have hurt if they put at least one Middle Eastern person yeah. in the movie. I mean, I think pretty much the whole principal cast is not Middle Eastern. Well,
1: this is what I was saying earlier. I mean, we're not. We're, let's not beat around the bush. I was watching scenes with a collection of brothers and all sorts of people, and they would definitely been darkened up to look. I mean, yes. you could, you know. I'm sure on set, they're convincing themselves. Oh, this is just, they're in the sun, so they're all tanned. They're all tanned, they're
0: all sweaty, mm. and they've got eyeliner. Yeah. And that makes them um, ethnic.
1: I mean, again, I, I remember the debates raging at the time, and there were arguments, counter-arguments, about what the, the land of Persia was really like back then. Yeah. Um, I, like, I'm not a learned person in, in that regard. I just, I do wonder if part of the reason some of this film a lot of this film feels kind of a bit leaden and the characters seem a bit unsure of themselves is that they're just in the back of their heads thinking "Mm, is this gonna is this gonna look really bad I mean fun fact I played Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat when well, no, I was at school. You and played him and the Dreamcoat. I played both him and the Dreamcoat, a dual role. And um,
0: yeah, I had a lot of brown makeup on the other kids. There's some very
1: incriminating video evidence.
0: I was, I think, in the chorus mm. in the background, and I think I was wearing a tea towel. Yeah, and you were like looking at me thinking, this, ain't, this is going to bite <laughs> Harry in the ass
1: one day. I would say we are, it's funny, it's just 2010, but I think we we're in a better place than we were. Back then, and although I think you are right, actually I'll go back on what I said. I think a studio now will be very wary of of casting Jake Gyllenhaal, full
0: stop. <laughs> no, as, as a, 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 a white actor as a Prince of Persia. Yes, because I think the filmmakers were probably quite earnest mm. in in making the film. It feels like an earnest film, and it feels like they were trying to do something which was celebratory mm. I think. he was trying to celebrate, you know, the Persian Empire, the yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean again I think a lot of Middle gosh, we're getting into a sort of political debate here, but yeah, no, you are right. But by, by by that notion they want to show the Middle East not being a scary place. It is a Place yes, a place of culture and
0: beauty. Yes, a place of culture, beauty, civilization, and parkour, and parkour, rad <laughs> parkour, <laughs> wicked cool parkour. But yes, I, I feel so. I feel like it's it's earnest in depicting that, but it could have helped if they had had a mm. at least someone who had some sort of um, I don't know, background. Now, um, your copy um,
1: does not hide Ben Kingsley's uh, evil face. Uh, my copy has his face obscured by reduced five pounds. So um, I feel like I, you,
0: I I wasn't I was more surprised by his turn in the film. <laughs> but we'll get into that. What does the box say? So unlock the secrets, own the mystery. Seems like a weird thing to say. Own the mystery because it's it's written like it's a tagline, and mm, it's I, telling you that when you buy this DVD, you'll unlock the secrets and own the mystery. Mm, it's like um, when DVD adverts say. Be the first to
1: own Star Wars. I, I like to troll the Facebook pages of these websites and
0: say, <laughs> Nobody buys Star Wars The Last Jedi until I buy it. I want to be the first
1: to own it on Blu-ray.
0: I want written proof that I was the first. <laughs> I was
1: the first.
0: I will send my receipt to Lucasfilm. <laughs> yeah, only one person could be the first. Anyway, so you've unlocked the secret and owned the mystery. Now I own the mystery, thanks to Panland. For the princely sum of, Yeah, of what? One pound. One pound. Marvellous. In the spirit of the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy, Walt Disney Pictures and Jerry Bruckheimer films transport you to the mystical lands of Persia for this wildly entertaining epic action adventure. It's a race against time. Oh yeah, time. When a rogue prince, Jake Gyllenhaal, reluctantly teams up with a rival princess, Gemma Arterton, to safeguard a magical dagger that gives its possessor the power to reverse time and rule the world filled with death-defying escapes, and unexpected twists at every turn, Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time is a fun-filled adventure that will keep your pulse pounding long after the credits end. Sounds like you're having a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor, doctor, I just watched Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time. Oh, not again! Not another one.
1: (laughs) NHS one one one. These are some questions that will help us diagnose you. Have you watched (laughs) Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time? Um, (laughs) Twelve. Are you eleven? Yes, yes. It was true. It's true. So the f- the first thing you see in the film is the sun rising, and um, there's some bullshit on the screen because <laughs> it says, "Yeah, in papyrus, papyrus, favourite of James Cameron." It is said some lives are linked across time, connected by an ancient calling that echoes through the ages, destiny. Who the fuck says that though? Because I, I'm really. I always feel this like fantasy film shorthand where they say, it is said, or the ancient ones say this, and I'm just like, oh, bugger
0: off. (laughs) I thought you meant who literally said it, because there is a narrator. Mm. It starts with this text, and then a narrator narrator. comes in. Mm. And the text also appears at the very end, minus the word destiny. I suppose
1: it it was his destiny to get to the end of the film, so the word destiny was a bit redundant. Your destiny is to finish Mm. watching this movie. No. And it's odd, isn't it, how there's both uh, text... Followed by narration, but the, the the dialogue goes on to say. The narrator goes on to say, uh, "Long ago, in a land far away." I'm like, from where? By whose metric? If you're watching this film in Iraq or something, yeah, then it's not. Well, I mean, it's next door. If his narrator is Persian, then it's like literally on his doorstep. He should have said, um, "Long ago." next door. Yeah. <laughs> Long ago, about fifty kilometers away. Yeah. Fifty ke- fifty clicks. <laughs> <laughs> and then the very next thing I've written here it says, oh dear, the blue screen is quite obvious.
0: Well the film first starts with Oh no yeah. the origins of Dastan. Yeah. Again. Dastan origins.
1: Yeah. Well it serves two purposes. It's to make us think, oh this is a this is at his heart as a good boy. But also, we can justify casting a
0: white dude as a prince of Persia. Yeah, but then he's adopted by a bunch of other white dudes, so it doesn't (laughs) make much difference. Maybe they're
1: all orphans or street
0: rats. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, speaking of that, so just to recap this little intro, you mentioned street rats, and I was expecting them to say scoundrel. Take that, (laughs) because it's basically Aladdin.
1: Skipping ahead slightly, I mean, uh, the story is... now. i keep getting this wrong. Is it Dastan? Yes. Dastan saw another boy being beaten up and he threw an apple at the here, the bullies and um, the king sees this and later on in the film right at the end he says um, something along the lines of I could see that you are not a good man but could be a great man yeah. thing, just by chucking an apple. He seems yeah. to be
0: mightily impressed by his apple skills. It's more like I could see you could be like a bully. <laughs> <laughs> or I could see you be, I don't know, someone who doesn't sort of um, take kindly to authority. Mm. There's a little bit of a
1: runaround to, I guess, show them the nascent parkour abilities of Dastan. And um, it all ends with um, the king being so impressed that he adopts... Dastan into his mighty family, I suppose, and well, he gets says... the,
0: the stink eye from uh, Ben Kingsley. He's also riding behind him. Yeah, so King Sharaman, he's the mm-hmm. king of the royal city of Nassaf in the empire of Persia. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of these names. He's very top-heavy with names. Mm. And so his brother Nazam, mm-hmm. who's played by Ben Kingsley... So, he has two sons already, but there's, they say something like that his family was incomplete in the eyes of the gods without an act of courage by an orphan boy. What? Fine. I, I missed that. <laughs> I don't get it. But anyway, so he's already got two sons and he's like, no, I want another one who can chuck an apple. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's basically his logic. And yeah, he does say, capable of greatness. But he, I think later on he says, like, I could see in that um, act or something that you were of noble character or hmm. whatever. But he chucked an apple at a guy who was trying to ch- chop the hand off his friend. I don't know. Since we're talking
1: slightly about how the scene plays and, and how it works, um, the director, Mike Newell, um, who's uh, mostly famous, I suppose, for... Four weddings and a funeral, and um, also one of the Harry Potter films, yeah. Goblet of Fire. Mm. Which um, I guess
0: is why he got this. Gig. Yeah,
1: I imagine that opened the doorways a bit. What do you think in general of uh, the direction and how this, this hangs
0: together? I think his direction is pretty flat, mm. a bit workmanlike. Yeah, I think, I mean, not to sort of reveal totally my opinion of the film, but I think the film's got a lot going for it in terms of cast, in terms of budget, in terms of location, in terms of, you know, story to an extent. Like, it, you should be excited, it should whip you up into some sort of state of enjoyment, but it, it never really reaches the peaks that mm. are promised. It never really actually gets your pulse pounding, not even until... But the, bo- the box said... <laughs> no, my pulse was not pounding. Oh, it was me. very steady throughout. <laughs> um, I think maybe if you don't like snakes... Then maybe your pulse will pound because there's some snakes later on, but mm-hmm. I think that's about it. Or if you're, a, you know, frightened of ostriches. <laughs> <But> <laughs> if you've got some sort of phobia of um, very big birds. Yeah. Do you know those packs of nuts, those trick packs of nuts you get? And
1: it says nuts on the side. You open it, there's an ostrich on the side. <laughs> just an His head ah! comes out of his neck and starts pecking you. I mean, that would be terrifying <laughs> for anyone. I think what you're saying, though, this has all the elements of Pirates of the Caribbean, Bar Gore Vabinsky. Who is the director of the first three, and also he's done some great uh, work uh, remaking uh, the Ring or Ringu, and also um,
0: directs directed the peerless Mouse Hunt. You can say what you like about you know whether you enjoy those films or not, but even in you know the second and third films, it's just incredibly inventive in terms of how it looks and the the villains and the effects. There's just Really fascinating concepts. I think the closest, yeah, the closest you get in this movie is the Hassan Hassansons. Apart from the the dagger of time itself,
1: that the world of Prince of Persia isn't terribly magical.
0: It, it is. It's, they're trying to go for almost a real world aesthetic. And... In, in the game Sands of Time, you're from primarily fighting sand monsters, mm. uh, people who have been possessed by the sands of time, but I think the film suffers because there's just not really much imagination. There's not really much interesting happening on the screen. There's some mm. nice-looking locations and sets and, and and such, but I felt like it could have used a, someone with a bit more of a ooh, twisted sensibility. I don't know, just mm. some, someone who... like a bit of humour or something. Yeah, but, but even you... just like visually. Even if you... I mean, Tim Burton, whatever, lazy, and he wouldn't make this film... But, you know, when you see a Tim Burton movie, like, he puts his visual sense into the locations. Mm. And I think this was trying to make everything look kind of real and ordinary, but it just meant that, oh, it's just a big city. Mm. Boring. Uh, The second unit director, I should mention, is Alexander Witt. Oh, yeah. Who he's a very accomplished second unit director. Mm. He's done a lot of big, big action movies, but. We're interested in. We're interested in Alexander Witt because he directed Resident Evil. Apocalypse.
1: Um, we 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 leave the kid behind, and we come to the invasion of, I believe it's called Alamut. Yes, fifteen I, I years later. I wrote some stuff down, so I'll try and get the names right now. Alamut. Funnily enough, I mean, we meet uh, Dastan and he seemed like a bit of a bellend. This 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 boy, this boy of pure heart, grew up to be just a little bit of a dick. <laughs> But before we meet him, I mean, the the I think the soldiers and the and um, the soldiers trying to invade the uh, city are asking, "Where's Dastan? Where is Dastan?" And he's having a fight. And this seems to be a common trope to introduce your protagonist, where you always have to see him having a bit of a fight. Why is that? Do you
0: think um, to show they're a good fighter? I suppose to show their pecs and muscles. <laughs> yeah, like in Tomb Raider, where we saw Lara Croft yeah. six pack. I think it's just to sort of demonstrate that they have passed form in kicking arse mm. in a very simple manner. But we, we meet his brothers, Prince Tuss and Prince Garsiv, mm-hmm. and they are discussing uh, the potential invasion of the holy city of Alamut. Mm-hmm. And they, re- they remark that uh, in Alamut is Princess Tamina, who is a beauty without equal. Mm. But the main reason... For their attacking of Alamut is that apparently Alamut is selling weapons to their enemies. Yeah, nukes. <laughs> well, okay. This is so a thing, isn't it, though? This is this is the crux of the matter. And it was only a little bit later on in the film. Um, when I think the king finds out they invaded Alamut and he's furious with Prince Tuss and says... Because they've, been, they've invaded under
1: false pretenses. Yes,
0: they've occupied the holy city and he, he says, like... Where did you get this information about, you know, these weapons? There aren't any forgers in Alamut. Where are the weapons? Where are the weapons? And I was like, oh,
2: yeah.
0: WMDs, Mm. weapons of mass destruction. And this is set in Persia, a.k.a. like Iraq, Iran. Yeah. And I was like, ah, this was the thing at the time. And it felt almost quaint.
1: (laughs) Uh,
0: I mean, do you think it was just
1: a a massive coincidence? Or do you think they intended... I think it was... have those parallels. Well,
0: I think with... So, with Prince of Persia Sands of Time, the game, I think that's trying to have a slight anti-war statement. Because in the game, the prince starts off invading the city and looting it and taking the weapons. And then he realises the error of his ways. So, I think that's part of that. So, yeah, there's definitely that angle that basically they've invaded this... Holy City under false pretences, looking for weapons which aren't actually there.
1: But the the game in the game, you're not playing um, an adopted son of the king. You are the son of the king, and I find that just more narratively satisfying. Yeah, I think it, um, in the film, Dastani's already sort of an outsider, and I think it's much more difficult to be anti your father's wishes if he's not really
0: your dad. It brings the point that the dagger itself. Um, is that kind of not a weapon of mass destruction? Like, the whole film is doing this message saying, oh, you know, f- under false pretenses, there wasn't anything there, it was all just a plot, and it's trying to be like, yeah, the whole Iraq war was a bad thing. Although well, it's definitely like a very dangerous weapon in there. Yeah, there's a very dangerous hmm. dagger which could destroy the whole that's world. That's a very good point. So it's like... You were looking for weapons which weren't there, and it's just like, yeah, mm. but I found something worse, mate. <laughs> there's no
1: fucking forge, but there's like a gift from the gods. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's
0: it's like it's interesting what it's trying to say in a big Disney blockbuster mm. to get touch on political matters of the time, but then to slightly befuddle the message. The the princess is watching the invasion happen. So the
1: princess, she's also the protector, the guardian. Of the hourglass of time. And um, the prince decides he's got a better way in. He's going to sneak in. Um, He's going against the
0: king's... Well, his brother's orders. So his brother is one of the princes. But this whole invasion thing is very video gamey. So Mm. he leaps up across the turrets. He does a lot of... Climbing and stealth stuff and sneaking attacks. There's a bit when he's explaining the objectives and the camera kind of zooms around that different was parts. Extremely video gamey, there yeah. wasn't it? Playing Sands of Time just now, it, when you enter a room, it shows you the layout of the room and where you need to go, and it was almost identical in terms of zooming in and framing. Where you need to be and what your objectives are, but no, then they sound an alarm and it's like their stealth mission has failed. Yeah, but about it took about two minutes or something. Yeah, and there's a lot of swashbuckling and you know very kind of traditional style daring do and swinging on ropes and. I actually found the parkour this kind of a bit poo. Yeah, it was very just jumping from one roof to a lower roof. Yeah, a lot of jumping off roofs. Not even much real climbing and and such i mean
1: i think everyone knows even in the very best parkour sequences and movies you know there's wire erasure so they get rid of the wires to protect people's people but i just got the sense that they got something wrong with the slack of the wires because it always seemed that you could tell they were that they were not really on proper gravity so yeah, I just found the park. Considering that parkour was one of the linchpins of the game upon which this film is based, it seemed just a little bit crap.
0: Yeah, there's um, not really. I can't think of any one. Leap oh my god! Where I was like, wow, because there's this bit when he's invading the uh, Alamut. Where he gets to the end of this ledge, mm. and you think he's going to do this massive swan dive, and it's going to be incredibly impressive. So it looks like Assassin's Creed, doesn't yeah, it? His arms yeah, that's What I what I thought, but then he basically just like grabs a rope and swings like one story down into a window, and it was like, oh, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> no. I mean, cool. If I did it, I'd be like, whoa, guys, did you see this? But mm, I think I could just I could literally do
1: that, and <laughs> so I'd be like meh. So yeah, they they manage to infiltrate the palace with relative ease, and they finally uh, all surround uh, Gemma Arterton's character, Princess Tamina. Uh, the princess and the prince's relationship in this film is your, I guess, your traditional burgeoning romance, but it's done like really haphazardly. They kiss at the end, and that's you know that's just how fucking Hollywood films are, isn't it? <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, I I think it's trying to be that sort of Han and Leia screwball style. Mm. He, he gets to say
1: princess a lot, obviously.
2: So I'm escorted by Prince Dastan, the Lion of Persia. Mm. Must feel wonderful winning such a claim for destroying such an innocent city.
1: Oh, a pleasure to meet you too, Princess. And allow me to offer that if punishing the enemies of my king is a crime, then it's one I'll gladly repeat.
2: Then you are a true prince of Persia. Brutal, without honor.
1: Don't make the mistake of thinking you know me,
0: princess. Oh!
2: And what more is there?
0: Wait here with her highness. If you can manage it. I suggest a hint of humility when you're presented to the king, for your own good.
1: It was twenty three minutes in so far to this film, and and I was I was getting a little bit bored. I actually kind of found this quite a boring film. Um, I was very jealous when you told me that you wa- we, um, you watched this over three nights um, because I desperately wanted a break. Last night when I watched it, I, I I kept stopping it and looking at my phone for a bit, and I, I seriously considered having a nap, <laughs>
0: like a five minute power nap. Yeah, um, that was my impressions when I saw it at the cinema. That I thought. It just, I wanted it to be more exciting mm. or interesting. I mean, usually the presence of Ben Kingsley alone
1: um, elevates my interests. But we, at the start of the film, Ben Kingsley, he's just the brother. But then the twist, in, in quotation marks, is that he, he's he's the big bad. And he's the one who um, has, he's trying, he wants the, the dagger of time.
0: I don't know if he knows about the Dagger of Time right from the start He was the one who clearly planted the idea that Alamut has weapons Mm. So he was the one who wanted to invade Alamut So he must have known about the Dagger of Time and the Hourglass Mm. of Time It's obvious that, you know, something's up Because there are twists in the sense that um, Well, literally every time Dastan wins the trust
1: of one of his brothers They get murdered yeah, yeah, like <laughs> happens twice. He
0: basically, by the yeah, he convinces people and then they of die. His innocence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he doesn't have a, a huge yeah. The other tries to convince people and then they turn on him and try and kill him or they die in his arms. So mm. it's pretty hard trying to convince anyone of your time traveling capabilities. But, but I think with um, yeah, with with Ben, the problem is is that he because the film holds. The fact that he's evil for about half of it, mm. it means he can't really have much fun with the role. No, and I when mean... he does, it's still not enough. There's it... like all the, there's these moments where he gets almost you know getting into more haha villain territory. Mm. There's a bit when he's he goes to the lair of the assassins and he's going to hire these this. Uh, ancient task force of the Kane, which were disbanded because they're a bunch of weird evil people and they can... well
1: they've been practicing below... Yes.
0: In the the catacombs. Yes, in a very much Q-branch style (laughs) or the ninjas and you only live twice Mm. style scene where they're doing all kinds of tactics and things and they have the ability to see visions and track down dastan when he's on the run mm. um and they also hang out with snakes a lot but there's a bit where ben kingsley sees like a fireball hit a mannequin and there's like a second shot where he does this little grin mm. and it's just in that moment it's just like ooh, villain and I mean, when it's he, not I think, enough. I think he almost walks into the direct line of fire, doesn't
1: he? Oh, yeah. No, he gets like little... He, he almost assassinated himself.
0: He gets little, <laughs> like, needles, like... um, What's his face from Dead or Alive? Yes. Flung right at his face. And he moves to one side as they, flip, you know, fly past him and could have punctured his face. Mm. But he kind of gives another little look there going... Ooh, you're good, aren't you?
1: (laughs) Ben Kingsley's character, we had learned he he was the one who tried to... Who assassinated the king with a
0: poisoned cape. Yes, there's this big banquet in Alamut to celebrate their victory. Mm. And at that point, Dastan gifts the king this robe, which was given to him by his brother Tuss. Mm -hmm. And then I think Tuss was given it by... Nizam. Nizam, yeah. But it's, you know, hand-me-down gifts. I mean, have you ever got a gift where, like, I once received a a friend of mine gave me a book for my birthday, mm-hmm. and in it was a note from a relative of theirs saying, <laughs> Dear, da-da-da, happy birthday, love, grandma, or something like that. I was like, oh, great. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to second-handed gift at least make sure it's not one you have been yeah. had personalized you kind of would have preferred a poisoned cape yeah so like what if a king put the robe on and said oh this says prince tus on it oh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm
1: not gonna wear this but i mean one of the ways ben kingsley is undone is because he has burnt hands from the cape and what kind of complete idiot
0: is hand he must have known it was poisoned because he got it <laughs> for that purpose it's like i just touch it Maybe he poisoned it. Maybe he did, like, like you tie-dye a T-shirt, except he sort of put it in poison juice, and he's like, oh, no, I should have worn gloves. He, he, sh- he should have worn gloves, though. It's like he's so keen to poison his cape, he just decided,
1: uh, decided to hang it. I mean, a lot of the time, when uh, the big threat about a villain becoming the leader of the world or whatever is, is because they're evil or a fascist or something. But I think... If this Nazim became the king of Persia, he'd just be either boring or incompetent.
0: Yeah, he'd have all this power, but he lives in a fucking palace. I know I mean what more do you need? It's not like he's got a hard life. He just wants the responsibility. He,
1: he genuinely thinks he can run Persia better. Um, things lighten up a bit though
0: when when the king does get murdered and uh, <laughs> and uh, not for him. yeah. So the king is dead. And with Dastan having given the king the robe as a gift, he is uh, declared to be the murderer. Garciv says, seize the murderer. And Dastan flees with Tamina. Why why does he take Tamina? Well, I think Tamina takes him Mm. because she says, you'll need me. She knows what's up right away. Yes, you'll need my help. Mm. So with the king dead, the uh, throne is passed to Tuss. And so Dastan believes it was Tuss who um, killed the king because, obviously, Tusk gave him the gift to give to the king as well. But, anyway, Tamina and Dastan have fled and they're hiding out in the desert. And Dastan has the dagger with him and Tamina tries to get the dagger off him. And it's at this point where Dastan accidentally pushes the little ruby Mm. on the hilt of the dagger and... Lo and behold, the dagger of time reveals its powers. Mm. As explained, it means you can reverse time.
1: You <laughs> can reverse time. And um, he does it a couple of times, just to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> he uses up all the sand. So the, 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 the dagger itself looks kind of fragile, doesn't it? It's got a glass handle. Yeah, I feel like you could. It's kind of a dangerous for both the user
0: and the person at the end of the dagger. Yeah, I guess you have to treat it with care. Mm. Use the uh, instructions, the manual. Mm. But what did you think of the little reversey time wibbly wobbly, timey wimey effect?
2: Um.
1: Again, it just. It was just particle effects, really. I don't think it was looked
0: terribly great. I didn't understand. It seems like they completely CG'd Jake Gyllenhaal. A, a ghostly, sandy figure of the character emerges from outside of them and then can see what's happening mm. and then flies back into them. But it looked like they completely CG'd him, and it was had this weird, like, those are, like, uncanny valley mm. eyes and face... And I get it, yeah, it's meant to be some weird sand ghost vision thing, but it still just it's looked a bit odd. its It must be quite
1: difficult, though, to come up. I mean, the, the going back in time effect has been done in countless films, so it must be difficult to come up with something every single time. And I feel that they might just have to to just justify their budgets. They mm. um, put all this magical stuff aside. I mean, it does, I suppose, tell the fact that it's very magical. I guess what's her face, <laughs> Princess Tamina, um, quickly clues into to the fact that he's used it a couple of
0: times um, because it's all out of special sand. Yes, and, it can't be any old sand; it has to be the sand from the hourglass.
1: Yeah, and again, that's quite a good way of stopping them using it forever. I guess that's one of the first questions they had to ask themselves: is uh, like, oh, how do how do we stop it going back in time forever? The next thing they do, they go towards the um, what is it, the Valley of Slaves. Yes,
0: their main objective is to go to Avrat, mm-hmm. which is where Dastan's father, the king, is going to have his funeral. Mm-hmm. And they're heading there because he wants to meet up with Nizam because he believes Nizam is the only person he can trust and he can tell the truth of what happened and that it was Tus <laughs> wow. that was responsible. Uh, he's not seen many Ben Kingsley movies, has no, he? No, no. <laughs> but uh, yes, in order to do so, they have to journey. In secret, and to do that, they have to go through the Valley of the Slaves. And they quickly stumble
1: into Alfred Molina.
0: Yes, star of Spider-Man 2.
1: Yeah, and um, I really like him with Spider-Man 2, and I kind of like him in general. But again, this is a character I found incredibly annoying.
0: Yeah, I think he's trying to be the comic relief. Well, again, but nothing he does or says is interesting or funny. <laughs> but
1: as I said, he gives it all performance-wise, and I think on the page and during due to the legacy of um, the Jerry Buckheimer films, um, he thought in Pirates of the Caribbean one Jack Sparrow was the secondary character, and he stole the film. So I'm going to steal this film. But like I said, like you said, I don't. I just. Don't think that the script is really there for him. The, the Valley of Slaves I and mean, it has this sort of uh lurid reputation. Exactly, a reputation, but they're actually all sort of the earth lovely people, and they just do ostrich
0: racing. And yes, he does this false notoriety to avoid taxes, mm. which is kind of a running joke, but I don't think it's really a joke. It's just every now and then he says, Oh, taxes. Yeah. And we're meant to think,
1: "Ha." Yeah, again, if this is for all the family, I don't think the kids really care about that bit. I think they do care about the ostrich racing, but for me, that felt super superfluous as
0: well. I mean, it's all well and good that this is all just a front. Uh, In order to sort of guarantee his safety, Dastan does strike a deal with Sheikh Amar Alfred Molina, uh, his character, and basically does sell Tamina into slavery... Like, she's a sort of... So does he, the, the prince sells Demeter into slavery. Yeah, because they strike, he strikes a deal, uh-huh. captures her, and it's like, you know... He um, ostracises her. Ostrich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, he sort of... Does he know that that's what's going to happen to her? Because it seems to imply that, like, they've just been captured by some bandits from the Valley of the Slaves, and mm. we don't know what they do to their women in, in no. this disney world it was either the ostrich race or the sex pits yeah (laughs) i mean it was toss a coin i don't know don't really want to get into that territory but i just it just seemed odd that he was so happy to be like yeah okay you can be like a waitress Mm. at the ostrich race the the king would have been like when i saw
1: you throw that apple i knew you'd
0: quite easily sell a princess into into (laughs) slavery He's not really of noble character, I think. Oh, um, anyway, they, they make their escape yet again. There's a lot of... Escapes. He's got the dagger. I've got the dagger. No, you've got the dagger. And dagger uh, being... Right, 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 that, wind that back. I've got the dagger.
1: <laughs> no, no, you've got the dagger. No, but, like, there's
0: there's lots of... <laughs> there's lots of Tamina getting the dagger off Dastan. Dastan Dast- getting the dagger back off Tamina. Alfred Molina taking <laughs> it from Tamina. <laughs> it's. I mean, yeah, MacGuffin's got a MacGuffin, but it's, yeah. it just gets a bit tedious with the to and froing. Mm. Anyway, so they arrive in Avrat for the funeral, sneak a message to Uncle Nizam. They stuff it into his boot. Dastan and Nizam meet in secret, but they're all. He's acting very suspicious. Mm. <laughs> he's very really bad at hiding how evil he is with the guy liner and. Sinister goatee. And also then, you know, firing shots at Dastan once he sees Nizam's burned hands. It's like, ah, oh, you got me. <laughs> it's like, I literally could have said anything else apart from, yeah, I did it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there's some chase and there's some action. And Garsiv, his brother, is there trying to track him down. It's a bit of a so-so sequence. Lots of chasing and... A lot of shouting as well. Yeah. Is it? Is
1: it? Is um? What was his name? Gas Garsiv.
0: Garsiv. I, I thought he was Toby a, Kimmel. Yeah, Toby Kebble. I think Garsiv sounds like a GPS tracking device. <laughs> Garsiv, your prince is on the right. But yes, Toby Kebble, um, yeah. friend of the podcast, because of his Warcrafting. Yeah, his yep. role as Duratan in Warcraft, and I like him a lot more in Warcraft. <laughs> yeah, he's um. I mean, I first saw him,
1: was it Dead Man's Shoes? Um, and he was fantastic in that. But then, yeah, he, he is also pursuing his brother, thinking, thinking Dastan has betrayed everyone. Um,
0: Nazam tells Tuss that Dastan came to Avrat to kill him. God, what a bunch of nonsense that sentence was. Say that again, please. <laughs> Nazam tells Tuss Dastan came to Avrat to kill him. <laughs> but then Tuss is like, you know, um, we need a fair trial. So do not execute him, and the Zam's like, mm-hmm. I'll say- <laughs> see. This is a far more exciting scene. Like making fists, stomping his <laughs> foot. I'll see to that, and that's when he goes to the lair of the assassin. Hassan, has- 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 mm. And the um, the assassin
1: says, uh, "You brought what I requested." And I thought, Nassim was going to hand him, I don't know, trainers or something and I'm like, <laughs> like A Walkman. A Walkman, something. I think, well, the first thing the assassins do is try and kill them all with uh, sand snakes, because these are snakes which pop out of the
0: very sand itself. But the assassins, they, like, travel in little desert tornadoes or something. I don't know. Mm. There's, like, these wispy tornadoes, and that's like, oh, assassins are here.
1: Well, they also have lots of shots of them riding their horses, like the Black Riders from Lord of the Rings. So... Again, they're just trying to trick your brain into thinking you're watching Lord of the Rings, I suppose. But um, but yeah, they are trying to they attack the camp of our heroes with snakes springing out of the ground. And this was this is definitely going to be the very best way to kill these people. But for the fact that Dusan has
0: uh, the dagger of time. Yes, he's replenished it with some extra sand, which was Twixt the breasts of uh, Gemma Arston. Yes, she had kept them in a little um, vial. Yeah, around her neck. A little necklace of Mm. sandy time. Magic sand, yeah. Yeah. She says, In Alamut rests the beating heart of all life on earth, the sand glass of the gods. Mm. So the big hourglass, the sand glass, is underneath Alamut, and it's keeping all the sands, and Mm. she's meant to protect it because the great sands were unleashed by the gods to wipe clean the face of the earth, Allah, Noah's Ark, and all that Mm. shebang. I hate sands. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, Anakin. <laughs> Gets um, so, but that's why they're on their way to the temple. What, mm. what temple? I can't remember. Should we just call it the Temple of Time? <laughs> yeah, she went going to the Temple of Time to return the dagger or get more sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine the prince being like why are we going here again um, the- I'm relying on you because my DVD like glitched at um. this particular part of the movie and you've just not written any notes for it so. just
1: cause yeah well they're just, they're, they're going hmm
0: <laughs> I can't remember what we they, temple. they're using their sand nav sand nav <laughs> to get to the temple of time um, but Hassan's have already got there and killed everyone Yes, that's what happened, wasn't but it? But then they appear again. Did they go and kill everyone and then run away and Should, then come we, back again? Shall we
1: actually pause this and never look at what happened? No! Okay. Well, it's kind of. I feel like it's a bit redundant because they go to this temple and everyone's dead and the assassins are there. And then is that when they have the fight? Yes. And then he shoves a, <laughs> a torch up a stake? No, that's before the temple. Oh, that's when they're camping out in the night. Oh, and then they get surrounded by Toby Kimmel, Kebble, Kebble. He's and... not. He's not cat food. No, uh, and <laughs> <Kibble. laughs> and um, yeah, they get. And then that's when the uh, assassins attack. And oh boy, <laughs> you sound so enthusiastic. <laughs> um, shout. How does this film actually end? <laughs> I remember they do that thing Where it's that wonderful thing You get in films like this Where the elderly villain Fights our youthful hero And we're expected to think That there's any sort of contest Is that what happens?
0: Eventually There's still a good 25 minutes Oh my (laughs) Jesus Christ (laughs) Before that happens Oh please Um, So what happens after the temple event? I apologise to our listeners so the the gang... So it's not just Dastan and Tamina at the moment. Sheikh Hamam, Alfred Molina has caught up with them. Oh, yeah, Jesus. And that's why he's he's joining them to the temple because he's been promised all these, all this gold which mm-hmm. apparently resides there. Yeah, I was actually kind of disappointed when Alfred Molina showed up again because I thought we'd rid of him, but no, he's back and he's... Yeah, and he hangs around for yeah. most of the rest of the movie. I mean, bless him. we love Alfred Molina, but just didn't work for us I'm uh, trying to work this out movie.
1: what else I've seen him in though Then Raiders of the Lost Ark covered in spiders and Spider-Man with much the same result
0: <laughs> <laughs> this, this, did you think he had to audition for the role of Dr Octopus he's like no I've already got spider <laughs> yeah. I've done my work with spiders I, I reckon every Alfred Molina film um, he's got spiders running up and down his back. But that's like on a CV, you have stage combat, horse riding. Great with spiders. <laughs> great with spiders. I think I might put that at the bottom of my CV and see, you know, tell, tell us a bit about yourself. Great with spiders. I mean, maybe that's why Jake Gyllenhaal up this role, because said great with snakes. <laughs> well, everyone lies on their CV. Do you think he's <laughs> just there on set thinking, oh shit, I said I was great with snakes. didn't realise this did... was going to be a snake-heavy movie. <laughs> no. Oh... Anything but snakes, Indiana Jones. Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah, say in the Hollywood reported Jake Gyllenhaal recast due to snake fear. <laughs> it's fear of snakes. <laughs> um, Prince of Persia, fear of snakes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I want to see that sequel. I want to see a carry-on movie. But um, anyway, the
0: Hassansons, they've... Uh, I hate how we're saying Hassansons. But as that's well. how it's said in the film. Okay, Hassansons. The, they're not in the film for much longer. The Assassins. They've managed to steal the dagger, mm. and uh, a big snake swallowed it, <laughs> and then oh yeah, and then it slivers back to Ben Kingsley, and they cut open the snake, and mm. he gets the dagger. Yeah, we so, have we have email nowadays with attachments, but back to attach a dagger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, realise I've there's... got a stack of daggers sticking out of my laptop now.
0: I know that's all that thing about 3D printing guns and all the mm. controversy about that, but it, it's, it's just as well that you can't just email someone a dagger. Mm. Nizam has it, and so they decide to head back to Alamut, where mm. Nizam is got the dagger. Yeah, you got to the end of that sentence. <laughs> but at the same time, Raiders of the Lost Art style, he's digging, 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 um, he digging again. He's digging for the sandglass because that's underneath the city of Alamut. The
1: the, the baddie, the theme, Ben Kingsley. Um, he wants to um, go back in time and not, unless let his brother get killed by. I can't even remember the uh, like fucking a animal. lion think. Yeah, Mountain a lion, lion or a CGI lion. And uh, Gemma Artison knows that if he does this, it would also unleash like the power of the, the evil power of the gods. So, I want to make it clear that. Um, ben Kingsley wanted the dagger for entirely selfish reasons, but did not know about this apocalypse he might have might actually create. So, one thing I missed from the video game was all the booby traps and things because the palace in Sands of Time, the video game, is, is full of, of spiky what what, what did they say spiky poles.
0: Yeah, at the start of the game it says, there's an old caption for the tutorial, it just says, Avoid spiky poles. Yeah. Avoid spiky poles is good life advice, and spiky floors, and all, and all manner of
1: spikes, but there's nothing of that sort. Um, I feel this could have used a bit of a Dastan
0: like, parkouring around blades and things. Yeah. So Dastan manages to catch up with Tuss, mm-hmm. and... Um... Tuss is a crap name
1: as well. Yeah. I keep, you want to say Tusk, it's missing a K. Prince
0: Tusk. Maybe if he had a big tusk. <laughs> just the one. Yeah. So in order to prove that Dastan isn't talking a load of camel shit, because mm-hmm. it's Persian. And camels are fun, aren't they? Is there a... <laughs> losing the thread of it. Camels. Well, no, but it was just... Is there really, like a single camel in this film? Yeah, there's loads. Okay, okay. It was nice to see so many camels in the movie. I can't even remember the camels. Well, there's a bit of camel cavalry mm. when they're waging war. And I think there's... War camels? A, yeah. And I Were think... Camels used in war? Well, well not everyone's got a horse. <laughs> but also there's a bit, I think, when Dastan does some parkour on some oh, camel's Oh, a hunt. row of camels. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Dastan confronts Tuss, and to prove the power, he stabs himself right in front of Tuss.
1: Like that, it like to prove how powerful. <laughs> Proof- <laughs> I'm sorry, but like to prove how powerful this
0: dagger. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it kills you. <laughs>
1: how powerful this dagger is.
0: I'll show you how sharp this blade is. But it <laughs> <laughs> seems like. <laughs> Normally you just cut a bit of paper or something. <laughs> whoa, whoa, bro, Check out this cool dagger. <laughs> whoa, look how sharp sharp it is, is bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh whoa, you totally killed yourself. <laughs> um How does it how do how does he save himself though? Well Tuss he tells Tuss, look, you push this button, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and it turns back time. I guess so. Watch this. And, yeah. I guess that <laughs> And then would... Tuss is like Oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! I best press that button. Yeah. But, uh, it's so Tusk. Yeah, Tuss pushes the button. I mean, I think it's quite effective. I think, I mean, not just in terms of the story, but I think it's quite an effective scene because mm. you don't expect your main character in the film to just be like, yeah, I'm going to stab myself. Yeah. <laughs> right before the end of the movie. Mm. It's just as well Tuss was paying attention. <laughs> I mean, you know,
1: um, one of my earliest memories is my dad. He asked me to sit on his knee and he said, Harry, do you know how they fake stabbings in films? And then he stabs me with a fake knife. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I remember seeing this blade above my head screeching. And yeah, it was a springy plastic blade, but I didn't know that at the time. (laughs) God, that's a memory. (laughs) Um, All I'm saying is that Dastan could have been using a fake springy knife. Um, so I'm not saying this, it was a
0: gamble. It did pay off, because he, um, he was resurrected. But it doesn't matter anyway, because seconds later, um, Tyson's like, Hey, Nazam, you bad. And Nazam is like, no, I'm not. And then he slices his neck open.
2: A moment ago, you died before my eyes. Oh, you pressed it. How did you know I would? So we are brothers. The day we left for war, our father told me a true king considers the advice of counsel, but always listens to his heart. You shouldn't have had to go so far for me to believe you. Your Majesty, the soldiers tell me that... I see that Dastan has indeed returned.
1: Toss, remember what I told you! <laughs> <laughs>
2: No! A moment. Portas, so eager for the crown. And you, Dastan, always charging in,
0: so desperate to prove
2: you're more than something the king scraped off the streets. What a glorious mess we are. It seems the bond between brothers
1: is no longer the sword that defends our empire. Yes! So, yeah, so, uh, okay, the prince is dead, Tuss is dead. And then, Rory, am I right in saying it is the final showdown?
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: Before the time reverse, and there's like another final showdown.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Nazam escapes on his little elevator down to the hourglass. Uh, mm-hmm. To retrieve all the other sand that's left Tamina and Dastan They try to intercept him through a shortcut Which ends in a big oh, sand it had, slide Oh, um, it had a...
1: Uh, I do like a hidden door So that was... His what? I, sorry, I do like a hidden door A hidden door Ten points to hidden door <laughs> Yeah, I do, I've been listening to his podcast And I realised my diction isn't fantastic because <laughs> so, um, that was very much like a... <laughs> I was very very drunk <laughs> that sort of thing but it had a nice hidden door and Did it yeah they pressed a little button and um yeah i remember that bit that's one bit i remember and you forget
0: so i i remember <laughs> the crucial details of characters like dying yeah and, and I important plot points and you remember oh that was a nice door <laughs> that's a nice button yeah that's a good button oh yeah no they they do a little um don't walk on the sand walk on the path to get to the mm. Like the, the one booby trap in this film. Yeah, the one booby trap, and it lasts seconds. <laughs> yeah, I because mean... some rocks fall uh, on the sand anyway, and mm. um, they have to run, and everything collapses, and, and it's like an avalanche, a sand, a sandalanche. Yeah, he does a wicked cool backflip, and
1: yeah, and um... survives. Survives, yeah. <laughs> and then does he meet Ben Kingsley at the hourglass? Uh, it's not an hourglass; it's a um, the beating heart of the earth.
2: Yes Ooh.
0: <laughs> Now what have you got to say After all this time uh, yeah. They fight
1: <laughs> They fight And um, he sticks his He uh, sticks his sword into Is it a slot or did you just stick it right in there I think he just Penetrates it Little prick He, pen- he, he pricks it and then all this sand gushes out And then
0: we see Bits of the film in the sand Itself And by this point also, Tamina has sacrificed herself, fallen down a pit so that Dastan can swing up to a ledge because he was holding onto her hand and she's like, let go, let go. And does she scream on the way down? Yeah. Yeah, that was quite upsetting, I felt. But also it's like, yeah, but we've seen time rewind a lot of times. We've seen Dastan kill himself and he's been okay. so I'm pretty sure she'll be fine. They rewind time. They rerun the fun, and uh, end up right at the start of the film. And uh, okay, back to the siege of Alamut. You know, Dastan is the line of Persia. He's the hero. I guess he knows that this is this is
1: fake. He knows that there's yes. no weapons.
0: And um, how how else does he prove this? Dastan convinces Tuss that the spy who intercepted the supposed weapons that Alamut was sending out was. Uh, all a big bunch of hooey by saying, I know this because also didn't, uh, our dad tell you something about, you know, how to be a true and proper king in the tent last night. And Mm. Tuss is like, Oh, how did you know? Like it was just me and my father alone. Mm. And not forgetting that, like, tents don't have huge soundproofing technology. (laughs) So it's (laughs) quite easy for Dastan to have just, like, listened in if he'd been walking by. He
1: gets out his tape machine, his cassette recorder, says, I was listening.
0: I'll show you, I recorded everything. (laughs) (laughs) So Tuss is like, okay, well, let's find the spy then, and we'll decide what we do with Alamut once we find this supposed spy. Right, Nazam? And Nazam's like, fine... But then Nazam just decides to try and kill Dastan right in front of everyone. And it's like, he probably could have gotten away with it or Mm. fabricated something or let some spy die. And he was put on the spot a bit. He's like, oh, I have no idea how to deal with this. Yeah, I guess in the original timeline, it seemed like he was doing fine. But then it was just like, oh, no, but he just burned his hands. And that was like a big giveaway. So he's not the greatest super he villain, he? should have is just he? fucking stabbed everyone. <laughs> and um, blamed it on the prince. Yeah, just he like... He should have got the prince. That's what he does in the end anyway. Like, once in the original timeline, he just, like, kills Tuss. And it's just like, yeah, okay, now I'm king. But no, cl- but clearly... He would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for Prince of Persia. <laughs> that pesky prince. Pesky Prince of Persia. But ultimately, yes, Dastan and Nizam have a bit of a fight, but it's Tuss who kills Nizam. So with Nizam dead and Dastan uh, convincing Tuss of Nizam's lies and fabrication. So they go and meet Princess Tamina and Tuss is all like, yeah, sorry we invaded the holy city of Alamut, but... uh... Maybe you can marry Dastan and it'll be all hunky dory. Yeah, and Dastan, to sort of prove that he is a good guy, returns the dagger to Tamina. I think so. Tamina has no knowledge of this adventure, no. <sighs> that's a lucky shame. Lucky her, <laughs> lucky her. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it it rep it mirrors the game. So, in Sands of Time, as I said. The game story is being told to you, the player, but also at the same time it's being told to oh. Princess Farah, and so who's free. the so, Tamina equivalent? So Farah, she has no knowledge of your adventure in the game. No. Ah, see, because you didn't complete the game. Spoilers for the yeah. end. Yeah, that's what the film tries to sort of suggest. He mentions something. I think that only Tamina knows. Yeah. What did I like about this film? It's weird. I don't...
1: It didn't offend me. And I think maybe that's part of... That is maybe why it doesn't stick with me a bit. I, I feel it just... It's kind of... Maybe it is all down to the direction, I suppose. It's just very, very workmanlike. The plot has no real surprise in it. I mean, in it, with a, a better writer, a better script, um, you could do all sorts of things with time travel.
0: The film barely does that there's maybe only like a handful of times where they use the dagger and i i get the point that oh you need the special sand to do it but by doing so they paint themselves into a corner and they could have been so much more fun with if you think about something like Mm ant-man and it's like the gimmick oh he goes small he goes big and it means oh and we can do some creative fight sequences with that Mm. but in this film It's just a lot of just running, jumping and pedestrian sword fighting and they only really use the reverse time mechanism for specific set pieces but not really much embedded in the action. There's really only the scene where um, he lops the head off some snakes.
1: But I guess that is crucial difference between video games and movies because you want to you go back in time endlessly in the video game and it's a lot of fun because you get to redo mistakes you've made but actually when you're passively watching a movie you don't want to see the same bit over
0: and over and over again but how much fun was edge of tomorrow that was fun but it wouldn't have been fun if jake gyllenhaal just kept on like he wasn't some parkour expert, street rat, scoundrel, take that. He was pretty useless. Take that. <laughs> and he, it would just be lots of scenes of Jake Gyllenhaal, like, falling off buildings and <gasps> breaking his good. neck. And then just like... Uh, yeah. and, like, reaching out and, like, hitting the dagger and then reversing and yeah. unbreaking his bones and starting no, off again. No, you're right. So, um... I mean, I don't think Disney would have backed it, but... <laughs> I mean, we got
1: to remember the sands of time gimmick is it was only invented for the Santa time game so they could have done anything they wanted the Prince of Persia concepts yeah it's a bit of a missed opportunity on, on that front so the, the story was kind of generic the location was generically Middle Eastern um, the action and everything just seemed kind of fifth, you know, so 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 um, yeah sadly it's it's not bad enough to be a, a bad movie so good, it's bad, and it's not good enough to be so good, it's
0: good. It's just sort of there. Again, mentioning in terms of the cast and the location and setting, they could have maybe done something more interesting, having, you know, Middle Eastern actors um, playing those parts. It could have been a very big opportunity for Hollywood to do a very celebratory film about. Uh, Muslims and about Middle Eastern culture, and mm. I mean, you look at something like Black Panther, and mm. you know, a lot of that film is very much, oh, it's a standard superhero, big budget action movie, but because of its, you know, even it though it's a fictional uh, country to our knowledge, obviously, <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, yes,
1: it's it lives, it's absolutely lives and breathes Africa,
0: yeah, and it and it could have you know, done something interesting, creating a world which uses those um, influences mm. and then does something different and original with them. But instead it just goes a very sort of, like, boring route. Yeah, too much sand. <laughs> sand, is everywhere. I mean, I mean, I think it's... You look at the sort of... The live-action blockbusters of Disney post-Pirates of the Caribbean, and in a way, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time right down to the like fonts they use on the front cover, where it's just like big block white letters, mm. feels like, you know, after this, I think it was John Carter. Yeah, John Carter. And after this, it was The Lone Ranger, which mm. was Gore Verbinski. Mm. Um But it's interesting that, though Prince of Persia did pretty well at the bot's office, it did make it's a fair there. amount of money. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a flop by any means, but it was just sort of met with... Kind of rather muted response in general. But the thing is, is is that while more people rag on John Carter and Lone Ranger, I enjoyed those films a lot more Mm. because they just had more identity to them Mm. and they had more humor and. And I think Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, while is probably the more respectable film, it was probably at the time the most respectable video game movie made in terms of budget big... and mm. in mm. terms of talent. and This is trying the to... one. This yeah. is the video game movie. But I think it was just, try... it. yeah, it was trying to pitch itself as being, yeah, we're not treating this like a video game movie. We're treating this like adapting source material for making a, a fun you know, for all the family, action adventure blockbuster. But ultimately, it just um, doesn't really have much character or personality. And I think the game is still excellent. And mm. I think that still has personality and character. I think. And I this think,
1: doesn't. Yeah, this film, unfortunately, I think hasn't really tainted the memory of, of the. Games and um, I think I think the game sequels actually did that pretty well, to be honest. But um, but maybe I feel you can give this movie
0: a miss. I think it's maybe a pass the time if there's nothing else on, sort of Sunday afternoon, mm. while you're maybe checking your phone for <laughs> something else. It <laughs> won't offend you too much in the background, but yeah, I. There's so much I almost really like about this film, mm. but there's no moment which sticks yes, um, in the memory. Yeah, yeah. We're g- moving away from uh, Persia, where are we where are we heading next on our adventures? So, from hanging out with Hassansons, we're going to hang out with assassins, Ooh. in particular, assassins' creed from one Ubisoft. Jumping, running, some time in the past, offering to another, <laughs> I guess. You can listen to all episodes of Games on Film on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Pod. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, be it iTunes, Acast, Player FM. I don't know what you listen to this on, but I hope it's good for you because... Hopefully you can listen to all episodes of Games on Film on it. We're available on all headphones. <laughs> <laughs> all headphones. Headphones and speakers. gramophones, Snakes. Speakerphones. <laughs> Magic mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can email us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. And we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash gamesonfilmpod, twitter.com slash gamesonfilmpod. Yes, and if you follow us on Twitter and Facebook, we try and share as much information about upcoming uh, video game movies, video game TV shows and mm. everything so do follow us and share um, any posts that we have as well, please retweet and like, rate and review us wherever possible yeah um,
1: it's my twitter handle happens to be at uh, only man who can and you can follow me for uh, a bit of malarkey a bit of stand up comedy which I do all the time uh,
0: What? how can people follow you Rory I'm at Rory Steele mm-hmm. and you can also find me regularly at Gamer Disco mm-hmm. where we host monthly club nights where video games and music combine mm. so you can play some video games and uh, listen to some tunes Um, and the music for Games on Film was provided by David Lightfoot Mm. so uh, all that's left for me
1: to say is uh, I've been Harry I've been Rory thanks very much for listening bye 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 all that's left for me to say is that I've been Harry I've been Rory thanks for listening bye bye
0: bye
1: so all that's left for me to say is that I've been Harry. I've been roaring. Wait, have we have we done
0: this already? Hmm, I'm getting a sense of deja vu. Oh. <laughs> bye bye for real. Bye real, bye.